Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Da, 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 da. This is the Don't Die podcast. It's modeled after a combination of a addiction podcast, your typical self-help, you know, boring as shit podcast, <laughs> and Dopey. This other podcast these friends of mine do in back east. And Chuck and I, I was on it, Dopey, when I was back east. And Chuck was thought it romanticizes drugs too much. So then I thought, well, I want to talk, I want to start a no holds barred kind of. Oh, wait a uh, second. You just threw me under the bus <laughs> with them. Chuck said, <laughs> well, Chuck said. No, he's, well, it does. Hey, I'll admit it romanticizes drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I romanticize. You know drugs. what, my guy, my wife, my, my wife loves you guys, so I, I gotta say that. Maybe I'm so, a little jealous. Well, yeah, you know, that might be. But anyways, I wanted to get a partner and do some some uh, talks about addiction from a different vantage point, not a clinical vantage point, not a you know like a like a doctor, you know, self help guru type <laughs> way. Just like what it's like for junkies, and what struck me. And I've been getting more and more angry, Chuck, the last couple of weeks. There are tens of thousands of people dying of drugs. There are hundreds of thousands of sober people with over a decade or more of sobriety. Why are the hundreds of thousands of people that have been, you know, the miracle of recovery has happened to them and they're, they have been changed body, mind and soul by a miracle, in my opinion, it's a miracle that anybody gets sober. And when you're given that gift, you promise in a pact with like, say, Satan or something that you will Not really Satan, but, but, but it could be, it could be Satan. Okay. But okay, yeah, but you give a solemn oath that because of this blessing of recovery that's been given to you, you will give it away freely and you will be of service and that you will stay sober and continue to try to help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. That's the bargain of sobriety. Well, how come the hundreds of thousands of people that have been gifted with the blessing of sobriety are not interfacing with the tens of thousands of people that are dying, Chuck, other than people that work in the treatment world? Be, well, the first reason I can think of is because it's attraction, not promotion, and these people aren't, they're not reaching out for help as any further than wanting to be on a vacation a lot of times uh being in, in they the business. go to meetings nobody welcomes them because they don't like them i get the feeling that baby boomers don't like millennials which i'll admit it i don't I, you know i'm i'm being honest but that's but my personal opinions of somebody's you know, state of mind or their poise or their or their kind of values. I am to put that aside in being of service to another alcoholic. I am to put my personal opinion aside and try to spread my experience, strength, and hope to another suffering alcoholic. Okay. And I don't think we're doing that. I don't think the 12-step world is doing that because of what you just said. They determine, well, they're not really willing. They're not really that eager to be sober. They don't seem to want to be sober. Nobody was measuring that 20 years ago when you were trying to get sober. Well, they you know, not. the old guys were being dicks and saying, 
um, you still have a watch, you're not done, or I spilled more than you ever drank, or those kind of bullshit things. Well, but, at least say that to them. But no, no, I, you know, and that's this is a big thing for a lot of the. the, the I think they're just being ignored. The, the newer people that, that walk in, I tell them uh, that I talk to at work, say, I'll tell them if you go to a meeting and no one approaches you, because this is something my, my sponsor talks to me or used to talk to me about. Are we allowed to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. However you um, want. Okay, so, you know, if. If I see somebody new, it, it, oh, okay, we got some uh, feedback from Mike. Don't Garrett. mention it. Don't mention that. That those. Don't no, you say them. the twelve-step world. Okay, <laughs> I couldn't hear you. You're on the tape. <laughs> okay, oh. so let me tell you this: you can say what you can say whatever you want to say. You just need to get more verse. And the way that all the phony balonies get around talking about AA is to call it the twelve-step world okay you know what i mean then so that's where we'll go so just go with that but, we'll go with the phony baloney approach but you to know address the subject matter chuck okay so we'll pretend that we don't know and uh <laughs> but the point is I you say, could be in emotions anonymous <laughs> people can make the assumption that you're in narcotics anonymous well uh, but you're just in one of the anonymouses if it's overeaters anonymous it don't work <laughs> <laughs> so um but the the point is is, is that it it's our job when we see somebody we don't recognize to ask them why are you here are you did you move into the area uh is something wrong are you visiting people what's going on why are you at this meeting and i've never seen you before this 12-step meeting and i tell them the yep <laughs> the 12-step anonymous did i say that <laughs> oh, I, I can't do this um whatever okay so you know, and so I tell these new people, if people aren't coming or going out of their way to make themselves known to you, to put out a hand, to offer a phone number, to show you where the bathroom is, to show you how things go, offer you a seat, all those things, then you're in a bad meeting and get out. Yeah. And the, then you'll hear from other members of the anonymous world that you're, there's no such thing as a bad meeting and blah, blah, blah. So, so all I'm saying is I've never seen anything like it. In the 1980s, when me and... Mike and a bunch of my friends were all, you know, suffering dr just tremendously from addiction. Uh, you could go to a 12-step meeting and people were very welcoming and very inviting, though we weren't that crazy about the idea of joining some cult and being sober. But we were getting kicked out of our girlfriend's house, which, what is a musician if the girlfriend kicks them out? Homeless. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Right. And and I we I, I used to go to Plummer Park in West Hollywood and I realized like there's some cool people there, man. So when so the the mental note is uh I didn't know it was gonna be so far in the future. That I probably made this mental note in like nineteen eighty six and I thought when I really do wanna stop, all I gotta do is go to Plummer Park and hang out with those cool people. Right? Mm -hmm. I thought that was gonna be like nineteen eighty nine. Not so much. I missed it by like seven years. That's close. Seven years of suffering. Right. Seven years of going in and out. Seven years of people tolerating me. Right. Right? And reaching out a hand to me and saying, keep coming back, Bob. Keep coming back. They didn't say, you're not ready yet. Right. The, the, the old timers, I mean, I don't know where those people are. Most of those people that are talked about are dead. Right? The old people that survived and lived to be in their 80s and 90s that I know from like the Canyon Club and Laguna and, and here in, in West Hollywood, those are the cool, mellow dudes, not the stressed out, angry dudes. The stressed out, angry dudes that said shit like that to you, they're dead. 
They died of <laughs> they died of cancer that is caused by being an asshole, stress, you know, monster. Yeah. At like 68, 72. But the people that lived to be their 90s, I, I, there was one dude in, in Hollywood that lived to be almost 100. His name was Fred. Coolest old dude in the world. And I always tell the story, like he lived in near, near Hollywood Lake and he couldn't drive because he was like 84. And so somebody always went by and picked him up to take him to this Monday night festival meeting, right? Huh? Hey, no, no, no. Fred what? Fred Brownell, his name was. Okay. Greatest guy ever. So I would pick him up some Mondays, you know, and take him to the meeting, right? And so in my truck, I had this pickup truck that Mike knows, this blue old pickup truck uh, that was kind of loud. So, and he would... He, I would be talking to him and the truck would be vibrating. Like, blah, 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 blah. And, and but so I would have to talk really loud and he'd say, what? What'd you say? And I'd say, Fred. And I'd be literally yelling like as loud as I could because he was deaf. Right. He was like old and not very good in hearing. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. He just got bad at hearing as he got, yeah, he got he bad, at, really hearing bad at hearing. He was not a good hearer. <laughs> he should have practiced. <laughs> he should have. So, so we're driving from Hollywood Lake to downtown LA to Father Terry's uh, kind of group. <laughs> oh my God. Why is Mike talking? He's <laughs> not on a microphone. Wait. Okay, you guys can't hear this, but Mike Mart is telling Mike, us stories that you loving, can't hear. Why don't you get a mic and talk, Mike? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. So let me tell the Fred story. So I'm driving with him, and literally you have to scream in a truck three feet away okay. from him to, for him to hear what you're saying. Uh-huh. So we get to the meeting, and we I'm always late, so I kind of we got there just as it started or possibly five or seven minutes after it started. Okay. So we were sitting in the back. Where you there, like to sit. That's there, your place yeah, of choice Yeah, that's anyhow. my spot. There's a circle, and then there's another line of chairs that are halfway around. And this guy across the meeting that I can barely hear is shares and says a joke. Fred is sitting right next to me. He can't hear me yelling at him in the fucking truck. But the guy 40 feet away across the 12-step tw room says a joke very softly that I could barely hear it, and Fred starts laughing. Then I'm like, you know, because I didn't know Fred that well. I'm like, oh, Jesus, is he playing a game with me? There was one of these old timers <laughs> like wanting to see how dumb I am and how loud I'll yell in the truck. I remember Fred now. Go yeah. Ahead. Okay. So, so, and then another person says something he's laughing and I'm like, he can't, he's, he's playing some fucking game with me in the truck. That's so then we're driving yeah. back and I go, Fred, let me ask you something. Are you fucking with me? It was just, you know, saying you can't hear. And he said, what? Because my truck was a little loud. Like I said, blah, 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 blah. it had a V8 engine in it. Didn't belong in there. <laughs> right? Okay. And so I said, I got right next to him and I said, Fred, are you fucking with me that you can't hear me and are making me yell just to get a goof or something? And he goes, no, I can't. I can't. I don't hear very good. And I was like, but you do. Because in the meeting, you couldn't. You were listening to people joking halfway across the room, and you were laughing. And he goes, "Oh no, no! I didn't hear a word that they said. Just when folks laugh, I just join in and laugh." There you go. That is the That's message the of the twelve-step world. 
Join in and laugh. <laughs> and your Nancy Be a Drew part of. <laughs> fell flat. <laughs> you're fucking. Oh yeah, but I've got this evidence that you can you're hear. You're fucking with me in some weird old timer way, and yeah. and it was really. And I just miss guys like that, man. I miss him. I went to his memorial service. I miss Brendan. I miss like all these people that were so great that were there when I was first coming around. And they were so funny and they were so fun. And now I don't know if, if that's how, you know, I, was I done? Was I ready to go? Did I have a watch and all this stuff? Yeah, no, I wasn't ready to go. The 12-step community didn't decide whether I was worthy of their attention or not. And now in the 21st century, they do. And it's a sin and it's awful and it's terrible and it's going to kill and it's going to be the death of the 12-step world. Because if millennials don't embrace it, it will not exist in 25 years. It will not. Because you'll die, Jack will die, Mike will die, and I'll die, and there will be nobody running the meetings. Because we dropped the ball on carrying the message of hope to the young people. Because we didn't think where they were ready, or we didn't like them, or they weren't responsible enough, or we didn't like the way their pants bagged down. Well, that's still ridiculous. The pants are dumb, but that's not the point. Whether I like their fashion or not is not is not what the way I see people when when they're in the in the rooms. And it it is so important for me to be in a meeting where there's laughter. I mean, it, that's probably the singular most attractive thing because that's what I wasn't doing when I was out there. That's when I showed up in the. 12 step not anonymous rooms people were (laughs) laughing and that was something that i totally missed and it felt so good to laugh till my stomach hurt and i didn't do that until i got clean until i got right i and and i'm telling you we need some laughter we need some we need some love we need some some uh kind of uh, just tolerance we need we need a uh, revolution in the twelve step world. I Remember, really believe it, that it's in the book. Love and tolerance is our code. Love and tolerance is our. Where code. is I don't think you're done yet. Fit into love and tolerance. Uh, now here's the thing. I don't think they're done, and I tell them that in a really loving, funny way. Like I don't expect that you're maybe gonna not take drugs for the rest of your life, but I do want you to feel welcome, and I do want you to feel like this place has value. I tell them that all the time. I told them that today, Mm -hmm. right? That this thing that goes on between one addict and another or a group of addicts trying to help one another, this is magical. Right. This is the highest of high in our society. And instead, it's become parochial school. And it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really become rules and regs. Instead of like, everybody's welcome, whatever you want to think or do, you know, you know, you know, though there, there are, there are. There. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, what you know, what you're talking about there is so true. There was a, a lady just passed about a year and a half ago. Maybe it was two years, man. Time flies. But she had been, uh, she'd been around for over thirty years. But they allowed her to show up at at our meeting, twelve step meeting on Sundays for two years, drunk every every week and everybody knew she'd be drunk and she would do her her damnedest to not drink between meetings but she would show up every week drunk and no one told her you're not done get out nobody told her you can't stay i think what's going on in the 12-step world is similar to what's going on in the real world which is fascism 
and I'm right, you're wrong, mm -hmm. and black, white, and good, bad, and you're with me or you're against me. I think it is a part of our culture now. I believe it is, I call it the serfs fighting amongst themselves. So all the people that, that really don't have any power are talking in one side or the other about which power brokers they bow down to and they hold in the highest regard, right? And yeah. in the 12-step yeah. world, it's about the uh, philosophies, like the, the 12 steps or you work them and all this kind of stuff. There's that philosophy. Then there's the kind of get a bike, be a bro, hang out in Costa Mesa type of thing, that kind of very juvenile kind of weird world that I've never really understood. You know what I mean? I mean, you and Mike walk yeah. those fine lines. I've been there. I, I just don't, I, I'm grown ass man. I got kids to raise. I got no time to like act like I did when I was 17. But, but that's my opinion of that brand of sobriety, right? Right. The hoot nanny, the hoot nanny brand of sobriety. <laughs> Let's just call it that, that hoot nanny brand. Okay. But you know, the, what's that's fine they're sober they're but but they should be helping everybody who's sober should be helping another alcoholic to achieve sobriety what, what's missing more than anything is the idea that you can be right and i can have a different viewpoint and i can be right we can both be right and not have the same opinion that's how it used to be and that's, that's what's missing step world used to be you want to take it to the societal level that's exactly what it is right now that you can't possibly we can't possibly both be right if we have a slightest difference of opinion and that's absolutely wrong there aren't not everything is yes and no not everything is black and white not everything I'm right, is, you're wrong not everything is i don't have to be wrong just because you're right Well, certainly about things like my life like you know what i mean so my life or your my life or your life or some some complete stranger in a 12-step room's life why do i feel as as that i have to be right or clever or condemning or condescending. What is it about the sickness of the sober people that they need to feel superior to the saddest, most pathetic people in our society? <laughs> I know. It, it, Why? It, it really, it really is a sad thing. And I know that. I know, you're, you're admitting that it exists. I, I know it exists, and I know I've been a part of it, but not, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not for that reason. But it was as a fear of being tossed out because life got better and life got good. And I wanted to share along, instead of being who I am, I was so uncomfortable being me. And I didn't even know really who I was. It took some work to find out who that was. And as soon as I could laugh at myself and not take myself so seriously and not have to fight everybody or be the tough guy or be the sad guy or be the worst guy in the room or the best guy in the room. I was talking about this with, with a guy today. It's like, you know what? You don't have to be the worst or the best or, or the, the most loved. It seems like these, these kids, are, they're looking for acceptance and when they don't get it right away, that's why they, they bounce out. So I'd adopt stories or lines and stuff and I'd end up loaded again because I'm telling other people's stories because they had a great story and I liked it. Like if I'd, if I'd gotten sober with you, I'd be telling your stories still today. I just change <laughs> a couple names. You got good stories and you tell them, well, I, I'm, I don't have that many great stories because I don't remember a lot, but I, I'd steal stories. And the idea of people uh, shouting other people down and I hear these stories all the time from new guys I see going it. and I it, see it it's so sad it. I don't because I don't go to meetings where that happens the meetings I go to are go handpicked where the, where the, yeah but I was doing that for a decade and I realized like I don't see any new people ever 
I go on Thursday nights to Minstag. Maybe a couple, couple, couple new people you'll see there that somebody else brought. So I don't really have to talk to them. Some other yes, you dude. do. No, but some other dude that has ten or fifteen or twenty years is sponsoring that guy and brought him and is kind of kind of overseeing him. We had a real hands-on approach in the So you, you poach them. Right. That's what you do. You go, thank you well, for the newcomer. I mean, usually they come up to me and want me to get them free sober living. <laughs> or chili peppers tickets. Hey, yeah, chili peppers Can you give tickets. me chili peppers tickets? Yeah. So, okay, so let me see what the requests are. What can I do to be of service? I can get your free sober living and some chili peppers tickets. <laughs> got it. If that's all I got to do to stay sober today, you got it. <laughs> thank you, Bob. <laughs> You're the best sponsor ever. No, but... But that that and then I would go in a very distant way up in Malibu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to to a place where it's mostly older people, mostly people with a lot of time, and the vans would come. But you know, meaning the vans from the treatment centers right. would come. But you know, I couldn't. I'm a professional. I can't really. You know, you're in a different treatment center. I can't. You know, I could always get out of that. So in fact. For years, I was still active and involved twice a week in the 12-step world and working in treatment, but I never interfaced with a newcomer, really. Not in that real way that's so enriching to my spirit and hopefully to theirs. But mostly, if you read the literature, it's about my spirit. It doesn't matter if they get sober. No, it's about exactly. me being of service to them. Right. Well, where does that gone? I don't. I think it stopped being talked about because people were so afraid of the spiritual side of things. I remember that being such a big ordeal when when I was new and in my earlier attempts at sobriety. You know, people said all the time, "If you don't get the spiritual side, you're not getting it at all," because it's all it's all spiritual work. It's all inner work, and we're looking for that that power within that connects to the greater power, the universe, the people, or whatever. And that's really the whole goal of the. So, so let me, so let me visit that. Cause I've never believed that. I believe that being of loving service is spirituality. Isn't that connecting nutshell. to people? It's Isn't not, that what it's about? Yeah, but there's a nar- strange narcissism about my internal world. You know, you understand my internal world will, I can get better with either outside help, which is what the book recommends, right? If you seek outside help for your mental illness or your trauma or your sexual addiction or whatever, not many people are doing that because they're just kind of doing it within the 12-step world and it's okay to act out sexually and it's okay to be a narcissist. It's okay to be a bully. No, it's It's okay. Oh, oh, it is. But it is. Well, then I want to go to where If you have 20 years sobriety, can't you just do pretty much anything you want? I can't. No, no, I, I don't. But I see it all the time. They're, you're allowed a wide berth if you've got 20 years sobriety. Wow, I gotta go where you go in behavior, dude. I know where you no. hang out. Maybe you're not looking very closely. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and you know what? And that's I gotta I gotta say that there is there is a way you connect with people that's not that's not communication. We're not talking. It's not just eye contact. It's that person to person connection. It's that electricity. How many people are telling your sponsor he's full of shit? A lot. (laughs) He has as many detractors as he does fans. Okay. 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 Now I don't believe that, but I know that people do believe that. 
right? No, but I. But I, I think he, everybody's too chicken shit to no, say No, he to deals his face. with it every day. If you look at his um, on the Facebooks, you look at his page. People, people give him grief oh, all the Facebook time. Facebook is a that's a chicken shit way and, to do it. I'm talking to your face. Oh and no, dude, you're full of shit. Because I guarantee you, Pete Weiss does it to me all the time. People do it to me all the time. My real friends have always said, "Dude, you're full of shit." Another and six months, I'll be able to do it to you. About <laughs> yeah, six yeah. months, I'm good. Dude, you're full of shit. Yeah. You're barking up the wrong tree. It's coming. Right? So uh, so there's that. And then, you know, the, another thing that I really wanted to kind of address, which was, um, so, so we're supposed to be of love and service to these people. That you put aside whether you think they're surrendered or willing or ready or you like them. Because... I'm thoroughly convinced that though I am likable, that people, the people that helped me didn't like me all that much. You want to know why I, I, I measure that? Once I did get sober and they knew I was steady on my feet and whatever, they rarely came around me anymore. So it wasn't that they were, were just so fascinated and amazed by the amazing world of Bob. <laughs> they truly were trying to help the most hopeless the most pathetic, the most long-term relapsing idiot in Hollywood. And then once I got sober and once I was in a good community and once I was on my feet and I, I remember, like, I never saw those people again. That's because you're not that fun anymore. Me. They're yeah, sick people. They work are with new on people to are helping sick. a new sick person. Yeah, they, so they went to find the next sickest person. Yeah. And, and well, that's beautiful. Right. And well, that's the way I see it. I mean, it's like the people it, I really get along with the 30, 60, 90, uh, six months, one year, all that stuff happening. Um, it's it's so exciting. The change is so fast and so much happens. And to be patient and allow them to yell at me and to make personal attacks when I know they don't mean it. Maybe they do, but sometimes they don't. They just they're they're lashing out because they're wounded animals. And to be able to be there for them through that because I'm not emotionally attached to them. I couldn't do that for my own family, but I can do it for them. I'm not emotionally attached. You know, they can't hurt me the same way. That's my right. My children could or, or somebody, my wife could. So I can be there and then it doesn't it's it's a beautiful thing to watch that change happen and watch that little bit of growth. And then there, I, I absolutely say, lose you know what interest. I say, in, when you really have interesting people you're trying to help, it's better than television. It oh, really is. Because it, the, the chaos that I walked into this morning was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, whoa, this you couldn't write this dude, stuff. Dude, sometimes just the staff. Just the staff this. drama is. <laughs> today it was Boom, it was two thumbs up. I walked in and I said, why isn't somebody writing this shit down? It was absolutely insane and there wasn't a client in sight yet. And it only got better once they showed up. <laughs> and then it was just like, oh my God, they'd been away for so, two days and everything was nuts. So oh. what I'm saying to you is I'm around people with zero days to 45 days every day, Monday through Friday, and then in my personal life, I'm around people with anywhere between, you know, a couple months sobriety to uh, 10 years. And all these different relationships with sober people, not bowing down to me, but me being of service to them and sacrificing to them, that's the beauty of it. That's why, and I, I, I want to tell you something. So I got caught up in all the Trump stuff. You and I were talking during mm -hmm. Trump. I said in June, you can go back in a podcast that me and Nate had. I said in June, he's going to win. At first I was joking around like, what if he did win? And people were like, shut up. <laughs> and I was like, I think he's going to win, right? So 
if you remember November 8th, I don't know if you remember that, all our Facebook buddies from the 12-step world were losing their fucking minds. Yep. Right? And I was yep, like, yep, yep. this is just going to be fun. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be the craziest fucking rodeo since Reagan. This is going to create great art. There's going to be a revolution. This might, this might just smash the whole thing to smithereens. And so I was excited, right, to see what was to come, right? Mm -hmm. It's beyond my wildest dreams of how fucking crazy it is. <laughs> Well, it is yeah. beyond Nixon, crazy fucking beyond. Well, that's what we're, we're talking about that today, <laughs> that Nixon is to this what Elvis was to punk rock. Like everybody <laughs> thought Elvis was completely out of hand and insane, but he wasn't cutting himself or rolling around in glass. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is Nixon on nuts. steroids. Yeah. This is Nixon on meth. Yeah. <laughs> this is so I think so, it was. And so and here's an interesting thing. So I keep telling I had friends of mine that are 18 years sober gonna kill themselves. Like the world is ended, and you know some of the people I'm talking yep. about on Facebook. Yep. It was crazy. I was IMing people like you're not you're just joking, aren't you? And they're like, not joking. These are decades long people sober acting like children about a fucking election that they had no power in. So obviously never learned powerlessness. Obviously. Yeah. Ranting and raving about, and crying on the internet is gonna, not gonna change anything. So here's what I said. You wanna forget about Trump? Be of service. Go find a newcomer and take them to a meeting and take them out to eat and listen to their problems and try to help and try to carry the, the, your experience, strength, and hope to them. Because I guarantee you, if you're present in a relationship with a new person, you cannot be thinking about Trump. But, but you're, missing a vital, you're missing a vital part there, and that is the basic element of service is that service without love is slavery. And that's what most people, when you talk to them about service work, they're, talking about, They're talking about slavery, the way it's like such a drag and everything is this and that. And it costs me, you know, you six. Know? So let me tell you some tips I do when I get somebody out of cry help or whatever. The, I don't talk about steps and all that, obviously. The first thing I ask them, <laughs> like if, they, if some guy asks me to sponsor him and I get it, they get to sponsor level and I take him on a path. The first thing I ask him when I take him to eat, like got a girlfriend. Cause I just want to hear all the fucking craziness. Like, yeah, no, you she's in I mean? prison. <laughs> but as soon as she gets out... <laughs> I had one guy whose girlfriend was in prison for murder and then got right. out. It was crazy. Good for her. Like, this is madness that people are sitting on the internet worried about Donald Trump and boo-hoo, I don't like Trump and da-da-da-da-da. You know, like, I, I understand that they're upset. I understand that they're angry. Well, then, then it's that time. But the, you have a dog in that fight already since both sides are so corrupt. Revolution, you said, right? Revolution of uh, thought. Here's what I think. We need a revolution of thought, and that will lead to a revolution of ideas. And the thought is, what I realized years ago is, I'm not the center of the universe, and the world does not act according to what I think. A, number one, I'm an atheist. Nine out of ten people I meet, I wholly disagree with, with what is going on here. So how do I survive and how do I have friends and how do I respect people if, if I believe this existence is meaningless, 
that were just animals evolved out of nothing headed nowhere just like bill wilson describes atheism that's what i truly believe and that we're lucky oh, enough to sad. have this frontal cortex that allows you to bring meaning to it that's what brings meaning to it imagination what you believe in so pe people believe in jesus or islam or judaism or buddha mm -hmm. or that they're you know now nowadays so much of religion is just me i'm a narcissist and god likes me and what god likes me better and all it's just all it's all mind-blowing to me hashtag blessed you know what i'm saying i got a new car so then people get like well what, how can you not believe in anything like I don't know. I just, it never have. I never do. I see no reason to. I think this is rad. I don't have to find a deeper meaning to it. But nine, 99 out of 100 people, I mean, including you, Mike, and Johnny, believe in some rad monotheistic thing that likes you and this is all a test for your morals or ethics and to whether you get to be happy later <laughs> no but i know i, I get it I get fundamentals it. of of, of judeo-christian thought are are oh this is all just to see if you're a good person and we like you and you can go somewhere else like how why is this not enough this is so fucking rad i have a frontal part of my brain that is making a muscle in the orifice on my face make sounds that you can understand this is amazing Usually, yeah. it's amazing human existence is amazing and to think that it has to mean something else i just don't have that gene i don't have that thought i think it's amazing enough maybe there's something maybe there's not right so you're but, not trying. You're not trying to get on the guest list for the next thing. Well, that the idea is, oh, like you got to do what this set of rules to get in later to the VIP booth, right? Uh, no, that's kind of that's kind of a big generalization, but I, I see what you're saying. The, if you live this, an ethical, this, honorable life, here's here's an interesting thing for Christians: Do a, can atheists go to heaven? I would think so. Yeah, according to the Bible, they can. You know what? Christian rich people probably aren't going to. That's what the book says. That it is harder, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man into paradise. Right? Doesn't it say that? Sure. If you, yeah, I've heard something like that. I don't know. I'm not that hip on the the big big book. So, so you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm going through the world. Nine nine out of ten people I meet, I wholly, I I we differ dramatically on what we think existence is but i love them i think they're cool i don't know it's fine go go at it what's interesting is that uh, that tolerant loving attitude towards people's belief systems about religion is more tolerant i swear to god my 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 religious brothers and sisters are more tolerant of my atheism than my AA brothers and my 12-step brothers and sisters are. Ooh, you said I said AA. Oh. Uh, than, than my 12-step brothers and sisters are in me saying, I don't see any big deal about the steps. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it, it didn't change my life. It, it, I, and I, I beg to differ that it changes anybody else's. It's pretty simple. It's, it's like shit you learn in kindergarten. Don't lie. Don't be an asshole. Uh, pat yourself on the back and talk about how you live according to these principles that are so simple that basically like you admit that you're fucked up you admit that it's stupid how fucked up you are people people like crazy 
over what it truly is is stupid, right? Addicts and alcoholics behave stupidly, right? We right. like to think of ourselves as crazy, crazy. But you yeah. ever met crazy? Yeah. You ever I, met I, crazy I, people, schizophrenic? Cra- cra- yeah. But- Crazy's way different than what alcoholics and drug addicts are. Really what they are is selfish and stupid. So, <laughs> well, that so, too. so you're admitting that you're, that you're, that you're alcoholic and that you're selfish and stupid and that, that God can save you from that, right? And that you're going to turn your life and your will over to the care of God, right? To, or the group. To save yourself. And then you're going to confess your sins, right? And then you're going to share it with somebody. And then you're going to try to make the past right. Try to, try to you know, go back and make things right. Well, and before you do that, though, you look at what put you in the your situation. Your character defects. That's, and the, that's, yeah. that's the part that was really, that part was changed. That changed more for me than anything else. But doesn't it change over time, though? Your level of insight at a year or two sober is very different than your level of insight about what character defects you have when oh, you're 13 a- or 14. So that's why I think it's this ongoing peeling of the onion. That's I see it like, yeah, the problems I had when I did a first fourth step that came out as character defects, they no longer exist. But there are new ones and new new manifestations of those same things, right? And then this, that's where 9 and 10 come in. That's ten. mental, but it's mentally illness. Most of it's narcissism. Most of it's from childhood trauma. It's not because you're a bad person that God didn't like and he made you, uh, you know, exceptionally. No, it's, it's environmental. It's, it's created by, yeah. by environment. Absolutely. And your level of understanding of it and how it's been manifesting in you takes insight, not superstition. You have to live with it, understanding that, hey, I'm a know-it-all, or hey, I'm an asshole, or hey, I'm a lustful, manipulative uh, predator. It's all, self, hey, it's all selfish stuff. It all comes back to being totally selfish. Yeah. And why are people selfish? Because they're frightened. And why are they frightened? Because they weren't raised right and nurtured right and loved right. Correct? Or they're, yeah. They're not going to get something they want or they're going to lose something that they got. Yeah. That, that simple 12 step saying, very popular. You know, addicts are scared, scared they're going to lose what they got or, or something. Not going to get something they want. Right. Uh, that that but, happens. But that simple concept is just old-fashioned common sense, right? It's it about, yeah, it's something Dr. Phil would say. It doesn't take supernatural shit. Yeah, it's, some, it's something your Auntie Abby said. My it's what? shit your... Well, I have an Auntie Abby. It's, <laughs> it's, something, it's something your aunt said to you when you were eight years old and you lied. Mm-hmm. It's the same shit you've been hearing since kindergarten. Right. Somehow... It was put into a format in a self-help organization to stop drinking, and everybody acts like it's more important than the Ten Commandments. Oh no, that's super. That's super important among among the people I know. It, it's said over and over. This is not. Uh, this is not a holy book. This is not scripture. This is nothing. This is just a book in and of itself. Just man's word that something worked. And they told somebody else. I, you know, because Bill stole it all from the Oxford group, and he had, they yeah. told him, "Go ahead, take it all." Because they had bigger plans. They were going to change the world. He could have it for his dumb alcoholics. They weren't concerned that his thing was going to take off. And the Oxford group is what? It's changed its name. It's still around. But it's too bad that guy won't call in because he knows the names of all these things. Who? Uh, The guy we were talking about earlier. Oh, really? 
All right, we're wrapping it up. We're going to continue this conversation. But if you are sober and you are not helping somebody, um, fuck you. <laughs> anyway, Yay, we're, just, God. we're just trying to have fun. Come on, you guys. I'll see you next time. <laughs>